Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! He's down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Brendan Johnson, Ryan Pay, Aaron Johnson, all here with you again this week. And, well, Ryan, it's good to see you. You know, after last week, we both had a couple things come up, couldn't make the pod. In fairness... Ryan gave a much further notice than I did. I was a little bit more last minute, had some things come up, but sometimes you got to do what pays the bills, right? And, um, you know, Aaron decided to just take to Twitter. And, and, I mean, it wasn't like a burner account. It wasn't, you know, like he got hacked. I mean, he just, like, it, it was it was a little much. I mean, it's good to see you too, Brendan. And it's, it wasn't something I appreciated when I had given Aaron a week's notice on, hey, Good chance I won't be here next week, but it's fine. Whatever. All I remember is getting a text at like midnight the night before. I don't remember this week's notice. Well, that's Brendan. Brendan texted me the day of. Hey, not going to be there. Not like I don't live with the guy. He could have, you know, maybe talked to me, but said text to me and says, "Hey, I'm not going to be there." So uh, yeah, that was great. But you know, I had a good time with Dom. We had a good podcast. Let's kind of yeah. A good Dom did a great today. job filling. Dom did a nice job last week. I'll give Dom that. Dom did a good job. You know, I went back Aaron, and listened. not so much. Right. You know, Dom kept it afloat. Aaron didn't do his part in, you know, keeping it where it was at. But, you know, I'll give Dom the credit. He did his job just fine. And I appreciated that Dom was able to come and um, fill in last week, of course. But we're all back this week. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, you know, I think the most important news in Pistons world right now, Blake Griffin named to the All-NBA third team. And Blake, we all know it, a career year here in Detroit. Um, just phenomenal. And, and a much-deserved honor to be on one of the All-NBA teams, Aaron. Yeah, I mean, he was absolutely great this season. Probably the best season of his career, just based off the improvements he made to his game. Maybe it wasn't numbers-wise, but, I mean, he averaged a career high in points per game. Shot the ball at a career career best percentage. Uh, he played really, really good basketball. Led this team back to the playoffs. I mean, average twenty four and a half points, seven and a half rebounds. You know, nearly six assists per game. Shot around thirty six percent from the from the three point line. He just did so much for this team, and we talked about that literally all year. We talked about how much Blake Griffin did for this Pistons team, how he dragged them through games. When he got that bucket, when the Pistons needed a bucket, Blake Griffin was that guy. He was a leader on and off the court as well. You have to give all the credit in the world to Blake Griffin for the season he had after so many people had said this was it for Blake Griffin. This move to Detroit was going to be the end of his career. It was just going to be his 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 ride into the sunset. He's no longer the player that he is. He he, he doesn't score the way he used to. He's injury prone. He's on a bad team. But that's just not what happened. Blake Griffin went out, had a career year, played the most games of his career since 2013-2014, and led the Pistons to the NBA playoffs. So to all the people that counted out Blake Griffin, well, Blake Griffin proved all of them wrong. 
No, I mean, just let the Blake Griffin love fest continue. That's what I'm here for. And uh, he proved it. He's the man. He had an all-star season. He had an all-NBA season. Uh, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, Aaron. He proved everyone wrong. This one was for everyone who doubted him. I feel good for him. He should feel good for himself. The city of Detroit loves him. I mean, he's the man. Some people are saying that Andre Drummond may have gotten snubbed from being on one of the all-NBA teams. And, you know, Dre did not make it despite having a pretty nice, really second half of the season tied in with the last, you know, seven to ten games of the first half of the season as well. But it was a little bit of a slower start for Dre before he picked it up. And and that might have been the overall uh, dagger in his chances of being on one of the All-NBA teams. Do, do, do you have agreement with that, disagreement with that? Do you think Dre got snubbed? Because I don't think he did, but there's a contingent of people that do. No, I mean, I think I think Andre had a very small case for the third spot. A very small case. Um, but he didn't really deserve to be there. And, and that's not a knock on him because he had a really good second half of the season had a respectable first half of the season. But there just were players that played a better full season than he did. And he, there was a great piece written by Mike Anguilano here on PalaceofPistons.com. We're doing our season reviews right now. And uh, he wrote about Andre Drummond's season. I would highly suggest checking that out. It just came out this week. And it talks about just what Drummond is for this team. What he has done for this team. Uh, but how it's different than the rest of the NBA. I just, I'm not going to go into it all because I want you, if you haven't already read it, to read it. But Andre had a great season. There was a lot to like about what he did, but he's not at the Supermax level yet, or not at the All-NBA level yet. And that Supermax, that Supermax not being possible for Drummond is a blessing in disguise for a Detroit team that is no cap space whatsoever. Because if Drummond becomes, uh, you know, enters the All-NBA third team, wins that award, he becomes Supermax eligible. And that means he's signing a contract of over $200 million, a lot, a lot of money that the Pistons don't really have, nor would you maybe want to allocate to Drummond. So it's a blessing in disguise in that matter as well. Would you want to allocate that money, Ryan? Aaron, I think you meant allocate. allocate. I know, I know. <laughs> I will say Mike um, did write a real good piece. I do think it was, if you read it, you'll realize that, man, it was just trying to... It was the Andre hype train. The It was an Andre love fest. I, he doesn't deserve the same love fest as Blake, despite him having a nice second half of the year, Ryan. No, I mean, I think we're all three in agreement here that um, he just didn't earn all NBA third team honors. He had a nice second half of the season, a real nice second half of the season. And uh, the first half, as we stated, was respectable, but not, you have to put a full season together to get an all-NBA team, not 40 games. Um, and then, like Aaron said, it's a blessing in disguise that that Supermax is not on the table right now for Andre Drummond. There is no cap flexibility within this franchise, and uh, we just can't afford to be giving out that kind of money. So, you know, you kind of take a look at where the Pistons are at, and what we've really done throughout the offseason is given you hypotheticals. We've given you things to think about, things to get excited about. And... With where Detroit stands, they, they need to make some upgrades. There's no doubt about it, right? I mean, the reality of the situation is Detroit backdoored into the playoffs. And there's upgrades available on the trade market. You've heard the names like Mike Conley and Bradley Beal and Drew Holiday. Um, 
the fact of the matter is Detroit has to make a decision about where you're taking this franchise. And are you willing to sacrifice your first-round pick? Are you willing to move that 15th pick in order to, you know, make an upgrade? You're not getting a super max guy upgrade. You're just you're making a nice upgrade if you go get a guy like Drew Holiday. You know, maybe you're in the Mike Conley camp. Maybe you are all in on Bradley Beal, which I would say I'm all in on Bradley Beal. But are we willing to move that first round pick? Are we willing to I mean in reality say set the franchise back again? to make a trade that I don't know how far it gets you. Like I don't know how far trading for Drew Holiday or Mike Conley gets you. Are we willing to move that first-round pick? I think you're willing to move it if you're making an, an actual upgrade to the team. And I disagree with the idea that it would be setting the franchise back because, yes, it's 15th, it's right outside the lottery, but this draft class is it's not all that good. Uh, you know, the more I watch film, the less impressed I am with, with guys that are going to be available around the Pistons spot. I mean, I've talked about Cam Johnson, who I really like, but that's a guy that's being projected at the end of the first round right now that I just want the Pistons to, to take early because I think he just is going to produce right away, and that's kind of what the Pistons need. Another guy I like, Casey Agpala, but there's some question marks with him. He got questioned for his motor, much like Andre Drummond did when he was coming out of college. Uh, you know, his, is his three-point shot real? Is his release going to be effective in the NBA? Is it too slow? That's another question with Mark with him. But ultimately, there's, there just aren't that many guys that that are going to be I, I, real contributors that are going to be available in this draft. I mean, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that's a guard that the Pistons could take. But do the Pistons want to take a guard when they really need a, a small forward, when they really need multiple small forwards? I don't know. So I think if you're trading this pick and you're able to – Obviously, the home run would be a Bradley Beal player. You get a guy that was snubbed from the All-NBA team, averaged 26-5-5 five five over the course of a season, nearly dragged the Wizards, an abysmal team with a bad coach, uh, You know, at least kept them in the playoff talk contention for most of the year. That's a guy that would make a huge improvement to the team. I think Drew Holiday would be a big upgrade. I'm not. I, I I'm not in the Mike Conley camp. I think Drew Holiday and Bradley Beal are much more significant upgrades uh, than a Conley would be. I think Conley's upgrade would be pretty minimal over Reggie Jackson. Maybe there's a small forward on the market that we really just don't know about yet that the Pistons could try to go get. I'm not sure what names could be thrown out there. I don't know if you you know you'd be willing to take a risk on a Gordon Hayward if he became available. I, I I couldn't even imagine what other names are potentially out on the market. But it, it's got to be done for an upgrade. And, and you know another idea that I've seen tossed around is attaching it to a, a bigger piece of salary like a Reggie Jackson or John Luer and use that to get those contracts off the books. That's a move that I cannot get with because both those bigger contracts left on the Pistons roster, the big, you know, the big three contracts outside of your your, your best players and Blake and Andre, you know, that Reggie contract, the Lure contract, the Galloway contract, those are all expiring. They're all coming off the books after next season. So attaching a first round pick just to get that contract off the book for one year really doesn't make any sense to me. The Pistons aren't in a good cap situation anyway. You know, if they're really going to uh, clear cap, they're going to have to, do, you know, get multiple guys off the books because they're five, 
nearly six million uh, over the cap right now. So, so they got to make significant improvement there if they want to be able to try to make a, a bigger signing in free agency. Um, but I, I just can't, I can't get down with trading the first round pick unless you're making a significant improvement because you always want that chance of finding a diamond in the rough. You know, uh, finding a guy that's going to end up being a really good player and producing for you over, a, you know, a long course of their career. Uh, but in this draft, I just don't buy it. I, I just don't know if there's that many guys. I, I, I'm fine with the Pistons keeping the pick, uh, but I'm, I'd also be fine with them trading it if it's for an actual improvement. What does this team need? They need cap flexibility and cap space. I really don't want to move this first-round pick. And granted, you are correct, Aaron, in that this draft does nothing to really get me going, to juice me up. It's very top-heavy, and then after that, it's a total crapshoot. Maybe one of the weakest drafts in quite some time. Um, But at the same time, this team, this franchise needs young guys on rookie contracts. So if we're moving that first-round pick, it has to be for a substantial player and upgrade that is attached to something else and really the only guy I'm really willing to move that first round pick for would be a Bradley Beal type I would attach a Luke Kennard and whatever else they want to get uh and that first round pick to go get a guy like Bradley Beal but is that really feasible probably not so at the, so really I'm in the camp of hold on to this pick you need the cap flexibility you need young guys on rookie contracts what really stinks is that, you know, most teams have to be smart enough to realize, like, Detroit doesn't really have many assets that I want, you know? I mean, you would take Reggie Jackson if you're Washington only because it's an expiring deal and it gets you through the year where you don't have John Wall, you know? Just fills the void for one year. But there are very few teams that actually want the assets that Detroit has. So... It's just it's a tough spot to be in. I mean, to be honest, Luke Kennard and the 15th pick are really the only two assets that if I'm another team, I'm saying that's what I want. I mean, yes, those are obviously the two biggest assets Detroit has, but they also have all their first-round picks down the line. Um, they also have Kyrie Thomas and Bruce Brown, and you, I, there are there's definitely teams that would take them. There are definitely teams that are interested in them considering the season that Bruce Brown had. And, you know, when Kyrie Thomas got in, you say I say every time that we talk about him, but what he showed when he got in the game, there was something there with him. So there are definitely teams that are that would that would be interested in those two. I think they both have value. I think Athan Maker still has some value. Um but there are more assets than than I think you would you would you maybe guess. But Luke in the first for this year, obviously the biggest ones, just because they can help you right away, rather than you know first round picks down the line where you just don't know where they're going to be and you don't know what you're going to end up with. Well, then let me retailer with. I really hope Detroit's not in a position where they would think about trading future first round picks down the line. We cannot afford to give up more first round picks. And number two, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Thon. Thon's a Asset, but at the same time, I mean, what did we really give up to get Thon? Not much. And what did Thon do to really increase his value in Detroit in this time, you know, short time last year? Not a ton. So yes, he's an asset, but I mean, that's a that's a throw-in piece that maybe is like, oh yeah, well if we could take him as a flyer too, we want that. You know, um, what about Drew Holiday? What are our thoughts on going after Drew Holiday? I mean, I think the Pelicans are in a really interesting spot. 
um, figuring out what they're going to do with Anthony Davis, obviously having the first overall pick, and um, I mean obviously all signs indicate that they will be taking Zion, but. You know what? What do you what do you think about going after Drew Holiday, and what do you think the Pelicans would want for Drew Holiday? Well, well, Dom and I talked about this last week, so I'm going to keep my sayings pretty short. I think New Orleans should be trying to full full scale rebuild. They landed the best pick in the draft. They landed the uh, the opportunity to take what could be a potential superstar top player in the league in Zion Williamson. They need to trade Anthony Davis, and they need to trade Drew Holiday so they can get all the assets that they possibly can in return. When you're looking at what Detroit can offer, it starts with Luke Kennard and the first. It starts with Luke Kennard, the first round pick, Bruce Brown, Kyrie Thomas. Then you got to match salary. Who's on Detroit that you can match salary with? Well, you, you know you could give them a placeholder point guard in Reggie Jackson. Um, you know if they want to take a, a, a guy like Langston Galloway back, and he played with them previously, but you know they can they can just take him for a year if they want to add some shooting. Um, but matching the salaries where it gets a little tricky because of Holiday's contract, he's making nearly $30 million, so you're probably going to have to include Reggie Jackson right off the bat just to try to make your way into equaling it out salary-wise, and Jackson making $15-16 million, you know, it helps with that, but you got to figure that Luke uh, or, or the first-round pick is involved for this year, and then you probably have to throw in some secondary assets like a Kyrie or a Bruce, uh, a Svee, and, and you still got to match salary from there, so it, it'd be tough to do, but I, I like Drew Holiday. Like I said, the only, if I'm giving up Luke Kennard and the first-round pick, which is what we're talking about here with Drew Holiday, I'm not doing it. The only guy, I, the only real player that is kind of an option but not really an option is Bradley Beal if I'm giving up Luke and a first-round pick. So, for me, really, I love Drew Holiday. I'd love to see him come to Detroit. But at the same time, I think he's out. I think if you're making a move... Trade-wise, you're making a big splash. If you can somehow, 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 which won't happen, lure Bradley Beal away, or honestly, it's going to be Mike Conley. That's who it's going to be. Yeah. You're, if you're trading this first-round pick, there's a very, very, very good chance it's Mike Conley. Memphis has already said they're taking John Morant. This is happening. Um, so they're looking to get rid of Mike Conley, and Detroit is is intrigued by him. So if they make a move with the first-round pick, that's where I think it's headed, for a point guard especially. The thing with Mike Conley that you might be able to pull off is that, hey, your tra- like, his value goes down because they've pretty much proclaimed they're trading him no matter what. Yeah, when you've, get, you've given you up know? your leverage, you said we're taking this point guard and we're trading this one no matter what. So, so you've given up your leverage. Hopefully Detroit could get away with not having to put both into that deal. Maybe it could just go one or the other. Give no. Give him the 15th or give him Luke. No, Hopefully no, no. I wouldn't both. even give him Luke. If you want the 15th, you can take the 15th, and I'll throw Bruce Brown in, and then we'll match salaries with Reggie Jackson. That's that's it. I'm yeah. not, absolutely not putting Luke Kennard in to get Luke, Mike Conley. Get out of here. Luke Kennard is a mainstay unless you're pulling off the big time move. Yeah, I'm in agreement. I'm just not all that high on Mike Conley. I don't. I. I yeah. I'm worried about his and, health, his age, and you're paying him a lot of money, and his his production has got to start to go down because he's getting up there in age. I just I just don't buy it with Conley. No, and I'm not saying I buy it because I'm not here for that move either. I'm just saying if there's gonna be a move made, unless it's a big swing for the fences move, i.e. Bradley Beal, it's gonna be Mike Conley. I don't think. Drew Holiday is going to fit the mold. I, just, I mean, not. I love Drew Holiday, and I'd prefer him to be in Detroit. But I'm not willing to give up 
Luke in a first for Drew Holiday. I don't think I am either. I'm not. I don't know if that would be the price. I don't know if that's the price either. Honestly, I don't really quite know what the exact price would be. But if that's kind of what we're looking at, absolutely not. Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. I, I, I wouldn't want to give up Luke and the first for, for Holiday. But if I could give up one of them, preferably the, the, the 15th pick, I would definitely trade the 15th pick. I'm very gung-ho on holding on to Luke Kennard. Very gung-ho. On, on that, I uh, I can't justify moving him unless he's obviously attached with the first round pick, and there's a bigger move involved. I just think he's too good of a scorer, too good of a shooter. I just, I don't know. I can't justify it for anything really less than Bradley Beal. And is that even feasible? Like I said, I don't think so. You know something that's exciting. I think yeah, last week, Aaron. I know you and Dom talked a lot about John Beeline. Um, taking the Cleveland Cavaliers head coaching job, leaving uh, Michigan. And Michigan decided to go out, make their hire, maybe even tap into that Fab Five era as they signed Juwan Howard um, to, I believe, was a five-year deal to be the head coach at Michigan. Um, and, And overall, I think that's a real interesting hire. Obviously, Howard spent some time with Miami after his playing days were done. Um you know, guys like LeBron, D. Wade, other guys played in Miami were very vocal in support of Juwan Howard getting a head coaching gig, taking this job, you know, giving him claim that he will be successful. And, well, both of these guys here are Michigan fans, right? You guys both have enjoyed a great 12 years with John Beeline. And obviously, it, I mean, maybe it wasn't the greatest at the beginning, but you could see the pieces build, and then the last six or seven have just been a really, really fun stretch for Michigan basketball. How do you think the Juwan Howard era will start in Mich- at Michigan? How do you think it will compare to the Beeline era? And, and what, what do you expect overall, at least early on in the tenure? Well, I, I, first off, I'm a big fan of the signing. I, I think he'll do great things here at Michigan. I think it's good to bring in um, a, a former player, a guy that's very well respected throughout the NBA. Uh, you know, you talk about LeBron and Dwayne Wade endorsing him, um, but he's a guy that's that's going to to make an impact, and he's a guy that's going to change your program. He's not going to be the same as John Beeline. Um, but he's going to do some good things, and I'm interested to see how he does recruiting-wise because that's obviously a big talk when you go in and get a new coach, especially a former player uh, that you know that obviously played at the school but had a long, successful career in the NBA. Um, but I, it's it's going to take some time, too. I don't think Jawan Howard's a guy that's going to come in right away and dominate the recruiting market and and just bring in this, this system and with these players – and it's going to work right away. I think it's going to take at least a year for him to kind of get his feet wet. You look at a guy like Jalen Wilson, who decommitted after after John Beeline announced he was going back to or going to Cleveland. But once they decided on Jawan Howard, Wilson kind of he tweeted something that would imply that he's really interested in, in, in Michigan again. And, and that's a pretty big recruit. That's a pretty big name for the Wolverines. But I, I think he's going to have success on the recruiting tra- trail. Because of the endorsements he got from LeBron, 
from the endorsement he got from Wade, from his career in the NBA, and you look at the success at other college coaches that had NBA careers, a Penny Hardway, a Patrick Ewing, a Jerry Stackhouse, you look at the success those guys have had recruiting-wise, I mean, Memphis with Penny Hardway has put together one of the most talented classes in the country. Uh, so I, I think there's definitely a possibility that Howard can do a, you know do it do good recruiting wise. I look at what what he did as a coach in Miami. He coached summer league with them. That those Miami teams in summer league were always super competitive. They were always really gritty defensively, and they always won 110. percent They were always a tough team to beat, even if they didn't have the talent. Yes, that's a very small thing to look at in, in how he coached summer league, but that's just something you remember. And, and, and from watching summer league. It's something I remember. Those teams that he coached were always competitive. They always worked hard. Uh, and, and I look at the respect that Howard has from everyone that, that, that has mentioned his hire. That's a, you know a, a worthwhile name. And everyone respects and loves Juwan Howard. So I think he's going to do great things with Michigan. I'm excited to see how it goes. The home run hire was, was never out there. Guys like Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan... Those guys weren't coming back to college. It does not happen. Elite-level coaches don't make the jump to the NBA and decide, oh, all right, I'm going to go back to college now. Does not happen ever. So that was never going to happen. So for the choices that were out there, I'm very happy with Jawan Howard. Um, yes, he's never been a head coach before, and he's never ran a college program. That's a completely different beast, and we'll see how he adjusts. That all depends on the staff he puts around him. But I don't see him having trouble recruiting. I get he's going to have to get his legs under him, considering he's never done it before. But I don't think it's going to be an issue. And coaching-wise, I don't think it's going to be an issue either. When he's getting endorsements from Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra saying, this guy is ready to coach. He is a head coach. He's ready to go. This is a good opportunity for him to show what he can do because he's ready. I trust that. Because Pat Riley is one of the best coaches of all time. Eric Spolstra, yeah, he had LeBron and, and uh, D. Wade and Bosch and those guys. But still, coaching now is a very good top-level coach. Gritty. Brings great culture to the heat. And this is what Jawan Howard's learning under. I I feel good about this hire. Um I think he's going to do a lot of good things for this program. He's going to bring a little more swag to the program. I still think it's going to be a very tough-nosed, gritty-type program. I think that's what he's going to bring, considering that's what he's been under with the Miami Heat. Um, but I still think he's going to bring a little more uh, a little more flash than John Beeline brought. Uh, and then, like we said, with the endorsements, LeBron's endorsing him, D-Wade's endorsing him. These are good things. These are Things that are good for, on the recruiting trail and for the program. And I do think it's going to work out in the end. Because this is this is a hit or miss hire. It's a guy with no experience, never been a high coach, never ran a program. I get all that. So it is a hit or miss. And I do think it ends up working out as a hit for Michigan. Well, and that's something, Ryan, you and I talked about before we got on the pod here. It, it's one of those that it goes really well or it goes really bad. Um the thing to me is that, you know, I think Juwan Howard would be fine X's and O's coaching basketball. I'm interested to see the system he puts in place uh, and, and the style of play that Michigan plays with going forward. You know, Michigan's been pretty, you know, known for their um, spread the floor, push the basketball, shoot the three. If you're not shooting the three well, it's going to be a tough day for Michigan. 
and, and you got pretty used to that for some time now. And I wonder what direction Juwan Howard's going to take in terms of a system and the way that Michigan basketball plays. Um, I'm actually, though, more, I guess you could say, interested. And if I'm a Michigan fan, I might even be nervous just about the overall program and recruiting management. Because Juwan Howard has these endorsements. And he's got the NBA career and experience and coaching experience. But what he doesn't have is the experience of traveling the country, recruiting guys, and just being straight up about it, kissing 18-year-olds' asses until they commit to play for you. And he hasn't dealt with having to be the guy that finishes second in a long recruiting battle. And once or twice or three times in a recruiting class to where it just demoralizes you. Well, I think you'll see it right away with Jalen Wilson. I mean, Wilson already has said that, you know, when Coach Beeline recruited him, he came in with a full game plan of, of how he saw Wilson fitting and his future with the program, and he already said he expects the same thing from Juwan Howard. So how will Howard do that? How does he do it? And how effective is it? Mm-hmm. I think we'll see that right away. And maybe you don't get the results you want right off the bat, but... Again, it's going to have to be a growing experience. I, I don't think you can expect it to, to be he comes in and hits on every recruit he wants right off the bat. Right. But I think it, 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 it'll be telling if Wilson recomm- recommits to Michigan because that's the school he was committed to. He it literally was named after Jalen Rose and his ties to Michigan. So there's ties to the program. And if Howard can kind of reel him back in, that bodes well for for what you know Michigan fans could only be hoping to see with what he's able to do recruiting wise. Well, sure, it's a good start, right? You have a guy that was already you know committed to Michigan. Yeah, he decommitted because he didn't know the direction. But I mean, there was a reason he wanted to play in that program, and you'd have to think that you know there were other reasons beyond John Beeline being the head coach that he wanted to go to Michigan. So, as I do agree that if he can get Wilson to recommit and come to Ann Arbor, that's a very good sign. It, you know, it's a very good thing. I just, you know, it's one of those things that you just got to be cautious with because, yes, he may be ready to coach. Yes, he may be, you know, able to land some big recruits just off his name and his career and his endorsements. Um, but, you know, it... it it just still leaves that room for it's either a home run hire or it's a colossal failure. And if it's a colossal failure, Michigan can kiss goodbye any chance of the Fab Five ever being relevant, like at Michigan again, in terms of those guys coming back. Because if Juwan Howard fails and leaves disgracefully, that's going to just, that, that will forever be a part. Yeah, but I mean, that's not why you, you make this hire. No. That's kind of a very minor side piece, whatever you want to call it, to... you think it's a minor side piece? Because I don't. I, I think right now Michigan's more worried about what team they're going to be putting on the floor, not really about the Fab Five. I mean, I get that they it's, like that. They but, like the, but the, Fab the history five. that comes with the Fab Five. But, I mean, let's, let's, let's look at what Michigan has done recently, and you look at the success they had. I think they're looking to make sure that they can continue that success more so than look at the past and, and, and the well, Fab Five team. Of course. But... But the fact of if you have the Fab Five and you got Weber and you got Rose and obviously Juwan Howard coaching, you got those guys in your arena supporting your team, actively recruiting for Michigan, it makes a huge difference. And it's more than just a little side thing at that point. It changes your program. 
It changes the kind of kid that Michigan can get to their program. You know, Michigan's gotten... Hey, hey, this, Fran Fraschilla is already saying Michigan's getting Bronny James yeah, and Zaire Wade. You're so. right, and LeBron's also said that Bronny's going to Duke if they don't change the rule, and he can just come straight to the league. So, um, we'll, well see. Well, Jawan Howell wasn't the coach of Michigan when he said that, so... Michigan's getting Bronny Wade, folks. Well, wow, you're just... Or Bronny, Bronny wow, James yeah, and Zaire okay. Wade. We'll just both block of them. Aaron They're getting both of them. For All the right, day. here's the thing about recruiting. Ward Manuel is no joke as an AD. He's one of the best, if not the best, <laughs> ADs in all of America. And that's just a fact. That's not me being a Michigan fan because I don't really care about the AD. I, sure. That oh, no, no, my AD's way better, bro. That doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> matter to me. Sure. But he is one of the best. Yeah. Look at Michigan sports and athletics. He's one of the best. He would, He's no joke. He would not have given Jawan Howard this job if Jawan didn't present an entire recruiting plan and how things would go on the recruiting trail and what's he pl- what he plans to do. So yes, is do I think Juwan Howard's going to maybe struggle a touch out of the gate with recruiting? I think so because he's brand new to it. He's getting so, a late start. So he's getting a late start. He's he's got to recommit the class that's supposed to be coming in already. I so yes, I think it's going to be a bit overwhelming initially. But he's no fool. He understands it. He has I played against one of his sons in high school. Like, he gets how recruiting works. He's got a son right now who's 16 years old trying out for the uh, U.S. Uh, national team right now. He understands what's going on and what it takes to recruit. That's He's been around point. it. That's his sons point. have been around it. He's His his nephew's Jaden McDaniel, one of the top 10 recruits in the country right now who just committed to Washington. He sees what he's gone through. He knows what it takes to land these type of kids. And will he initially do it? I don't know, but in the long term, I don't think he's going to have major issues recruiting. I don't see that happening. No, I don't either. It just, again, it's one of those, if you struggle early and you don't get your feet under you, how long then does he get? And then when does this blow up? And then when does the culture start to go? When do guys start to not play hard? Whatever, to where he doesn't get that chance to long-term develop into it. Here's the thing. He's going to have a year to figure it out on the recruiting end. Right. Because he's got Xavier Simpson and John Teske and Isaiah Livers returning. That, by default, this team is not going to be trash. Right. I'm not saying they're going to be top in the Big Ten. I'm not even saying they're going to be top three in the Big Ten. But he's got those three guys coming back along with the 11th-ranked recruiting class the year before. So one of the top recruiting classes in the nation. And he has that – I can't remember his name, but he also has that one four-star that said he's staying with Michigan – you know, no doubt. And then he still may also be able to get back Wilson. Cole Bajima, so, are you talking yes, about? Yes, yeah. he's The sharpshooter, like the best shooter in this entire recruiting class. So, is what he's been tagged. So, is that true? Who knows? They'll be they'll be fine, especially if they can keep so, Wilson. If, yeah, if he can reel back reel Wilson back in, he's going to have a year to figure it out. Because his team's not going to be trash where it's like, oh no, we're off to a terrible start and everything's just about to blow up. And I'm not saying that's what you were getting at. But he's going to have a little bit of time to figure it out mm-hmm. and get his feet under him. And if he loses a recruiting battle, he learns from it. Because he's going to have a year with a team that's going to be solid. I'm not saying they're going to be world beaters. They're not going to win the Big Ten. But a solid team that's going to allow him to figure things out. Yeah, they have enough of a foundation there with the guys that you mentioned. in Simpson, Simpson and Teske and Livers and, and Brooks. I mean, there, there are enough players there that have the experience of winning and you know are now seniors that they'll be just fine you know next year but the recruiting how does he do 
you know, the years after, that's where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, where you know where is he going to go to find these next Wolverines? Right. Well, and that's also why I was referring to it earlier. I'm interested to see what system he implements. You know, with having a, a lot of guys that are returning, a lot of guys that have had success in beeline system. You know, does he try to adjust what he'd like to do to tailor to those guys? Does he try to implement his, a different kind of system early? I mean, I, I don't know. I he, with him not having any head coaching experience, um, I mean, you have no idea what kind of system he's going to try to implement. To me, that's really intriguing. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what he's going to run. There's nothing that's been said. But, I mean, every college coach at every introductory press conference says we're going to run the floor, we're going to shoot the three, we're going to play fast. So, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting it's going to be that because that's what every college coach says. That's the system that every college coach wants to run nowadays. They want to run the floor, play fast, shoot the three, and defend hard. That's what you're going to hear him say. And, and Michigan has had a very good defensive program over the last few years. You have a very good uh, assistant coach right now that – could be leaving the program and Luke. I don't even know how to say his Yaklich. name. Yaklich. Yaklich. Yeah, I was saying Yalik or something last week. So uh, Yaklich. Uh, that's a very good coach, a defensive specialist that I think with Howard, who's known for his defensive uh, capabilities as a coach. I think that could be a really good pairing if you want to keep Michigan as a defensive powerhouse. They still have the players to do that. And Teske and Simpson, those are two main guys that defensively are very good at their position. So they can have, they still can have that defensive mindset. But Michigan always came up short offensively. And you know, what kind of system are they going to bring into place? And are they going to be able to recruit the right players to fit that system to where their offense is able to match their defensive abilities? Because mm-hmm. offenses always end up being their shortcoming, especially in the tournament. The offense has always gone cold, and you know when they when they've fallen apart in the tournament. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they do there. So here's the question for you: You know, you look at guys that have had the chance to coach in both the NBA and in college. Some people are upset with a guy like John Beeline for leaving Michigan. Others totally get it. If you had the choice of being able to coach a major college program or coach in the NBA, and I'm not talking like Golden State, right? I'm talking like one of the, the mid to bottom level NBA teams with a chance to rebuild it. What would you do? Would you rather coach in the NBA? Would you rather coach in college basketball? I don't think it's even up for debate. It's the NBA. In college, you're the coach, you're the GM, you're you're the CEO. Everything is on your shoulders. You got to be on the road constantly recruiting. You're coach like you're doing everything in terms of college. In the NBA, you're the coach. That's it. That's all you're doing. I mean, it's almost, I guess, and if I get, you want more power, you would rather coach college because yeah, you get to determine it's, your it's team. Everything's on you in college. In the NBA, it's a much more, it's an easier lifestyle. Honestly, sure, you're on the road, you know, 82 games a year, and you're on the road for 41 of them, whatever it is, you know. I get that. But you're not out, you know, racking your brain, pulling your hair out, bowing down to 18-year-old kids, doing all mm-hmm. this different type of stuff. You're just managing a group of grown-ass men who are professionals. That's really all. I'm not trying to belittle their job because there's only 32 of them or whatever in the world, and they're all fantastic at what they do. That's why they're there. And it's very difficult to manage all that. And I'm not putting that down whatsoever. It's just 
you don't have as much on your plate in the NBA as you do as a college coach. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly agree with you. I think, it, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a little bit easier than having to build your team and have to be building your team not for this year, not just for next year, but for the year after. I mean, you're recruiting guys years in advance at, at some points, especially if you're an elite program and you want those top-name recruits. You're recruiting years and years ahead. So it's so much work. I know they have recruiters and assistant coaches that help with that. But ultimately, I mean, we saw with Wilson. It was the head coach that mattered so much. Yes. Once Beeline left, it didn't matter what assistant coach, what recruiter came and tried to bring him in the program. It was about the head coach. It was about Beeline. So that, that falls on the yeah. head coach ultimately. It's I agree. It's just easier to coach in the NBA where your team is given to you. You get to decide what you want to do with them, but you don't have to worry about fielding a team. You don't have to worry about fielding next year's team. You don't have to worry about you know kissing up to donors and, and the alumni and whatnot. You don't have to do any of that. So I, I think there's, I mean, yes, you're the season's longer, and, and I would assume you're watching a lot more film in the NBA than you would be in college. But I, I, I just think it, it's an easier job. If if the choice was college, guys like Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan would make the jump back. Billy Donovan, you know. Oklahoma City's maybe not performed at the level he's wanted it to and the fans have wanted it to. And at the end of the day in the NBA, that falls on the coach. And I get that. So if you think Billy Donovan feels like maybe he's on the hot seat, why wouldn't he jump back to the college it's game? Because he for wants more money? to stay in the NBA. Because he wants to stay in the NBA. He mm-hmm. doesn't want anything to do with the college game. Brad Stevens is probably a college basketball savant, honestly. Look at what he was doing with Butler. Savant. He wants nothing to do with coming back to the college game. It's just, and it, you're not even playing on the same level. I get in the NBA, you're not quite playing on the same level either with locations and, you know, big market, small market. I get that. But, I mean, let's just be real. College basketball is a pretty dirty game. Mm-hmm. And there's coaches who want to be, uh, you know, ethical and run things right, i.e., John Beeline, why he made the jump. Part of the reason why he made the jump. So. It's just, you're not p- playing with those ethical lines and standards in the NBA. There's just a reason why every college coach wants to become an NBA, NBA coach. That's why, that's, that's, why that's the dream. Yeah. There's only a few guys who are like, I love the college game. Guys who stick around like Krzyzewski and Calipari. And I know Patil tried to stand in the NBA, but look where he ended up back in. In college. There's guys who... It's just it fits them perfectly for what for they them. are. It's yep. built for them. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Izzo, he's yep. built for that. Game. Izzo could Izzo would never. Uh, I shouldn't say never, but very few spots would Izzo be a successful NBA coach. You know, very few destinations. He's he's a college guy through and through. You know, any of those like batshit crazy guys, they just don't they don't fit in today's NBA. Mm-hmm. There's no place for them. It just it doesn't work. Um, no, but it's interesting, and I think Beeline's going to end up doing a good good job in Cleveland, too. You know, I don't know how good Cleveland will be in his tenure, but I think that John Beeline's a great guy for Cleveland, that if you start building a younger core around him, he's going to put them in a good position to be successful when they make that next hire, when they get that key guy, and when they take that next step. Exactly. He's the right guy to have in there to build up the young base for that next step, for that next coach. I think you're exactly right with that. you got to assume that he's just coaching out this contract and then he's going to retire because by the end of his contract, he's going to be 73, I think, is the, the age that I saw. 
So I'm not sure how much longer he's going to want to coach after that, but he's such a good player development guy. I mean, you look at what he did with all of his players at Michigan, and I I said this last week, but I'll say it again. I mean, you look at Trey Burke, Glenn Robinson III, Tim Hardaway, all these guys that weren't top recruits by any means, and he made them into NBA-level players enough to get drafted. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he did so much development-wise with these guys that I think it's going to be great for Cleveland. Colin Sexton... Uh, Chetty Osman, whoever they draft uh, with the fifth pick, I think it's just going to be really good for them. You want to bring in a guy that, that's going to do things the right way for a young team, and Kevin Love is a really good player for the system that John Beeline's probably going to run, where he loves having a big man that can pass and can shoot, and, and Love can do all of that at a very high level. He's an all-star caliber player. Uh, I, I just think it's a really, really good fit for him, and I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, no doubt about it, but Overall, boys, good to be back this week. Yeah, hey, thanks, 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 guys. Ryan, I really, really you. appreciate it. Was great to be here. It was great week. to be here. No, yeah. thanks so much. I know it, it. It's very tough to come out and do a podcast once a week. Then leave me with all the extra work, all the editing and whatnot. Don't hit me. Uh, I'm getting, I'm getting hit. Let, let it be known that I'm being hit right now by Brendan, my co-host. I have not done um, that. That is. But thanks, thanks so much for coming out this week, guys. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedules. Yeah, I left that pause there intentionally. Um, well, Ryan, good to see you. No doubt about it. You know, let's go grab some lunch after this. Just, let's. just us. That's let's. All. But, uh, yeah, leave me with the editing. See you guys later, I guess. Before you go, don't forget, follow us on Twitter at Palace of Pistons. You can follow Ryan at Ryan Pay. You can follow myself at Media Brendan. You can find us on Instagram at Palace Pistons or on Facebook, the Palace of Pistons as well. Like, rate, review, subscribe to the pod. And uh, we should have the crew back together again next week. Maybe minus Aaron. Oh. We'll see. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be the one to miss. Funny. One other place I'd like you guys to go to, palaceofpistons.com. we got all the season reviews out. We're working through them right now. Yesterday was Langston Galloway. Uh, Jacob Rogers wrote about his roller coaster of a season. But we got so many out. Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, uh, Wayne Ellington. Just to name some of them that are already out, we'll have more coming. So go to palaceofpistons.com. Check all of those out. We've got more and more content planned for you. And uh, enjoy these playoffs, which... We didn't even talk about, did we? No, we didn't. Wow, we that was on that was on the itinerary for today, and we missed it. Look, Toronto being up three two in the series is crazy. That's all I'm gonna say. We can we can end the podcast now, but I wanted to talk about the playoffs. I put it. Let it be known that I put it on the itinerary for today, but Brendan skipped over it because he just wanted to talk about Michigan, Michigan basketball. A big Michigan fan, I guess. Let it be known, I did have Toronto in seven. And when I got down 2-0, I was sweating bullets. I'm Milwaukee I'm in 7. Okay. Ryan? I thought it was going to be Milwaukee in 7 as well. Um, but it doesn't matter to me because I don't like either team. So, whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. The Warriors are winning the ship. The anyway. Warriors are winning. Again, yeah. neither one of these teams are beating the Warriors, so it doesn't matter. Well, we'll preview the finals next week. Talk more Pistons and more. We'll see you next time on the Palace Pistons Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.